In the WGNO Sports Zone, Tulane kicks off spring practice with a wave of enthusiasm. Could the offense, very good at the end of last season, get even better? At the end of the year, it really felt like we were clicking, you know, and hitting on all cylinders. So hopefully we can carry that over. How many will the wave win in 2023? Our panel weighs in. Do they have lofty expectations? The Pelicans finally win one. Are they a playoff team, a play-in team, or neither? A Newman soccer coach whose next job is to clean up Bogalusa. They deserve to be able to get out of you know, their cars at night, go inside, and not worry about whether or not they're going to get robbed on the way inside. And a first for these Lions. When they first got here, they dreamed of this. We cut down the nets in the next 30 minutes in the WGNO Sports Zone. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the WGNO Sports Zone. Richie and Aaron are on deck, but first, a Tulane football team with a chance to write history. No, not last year's team, but this one. In the history of the school, over a two-year period, Tulane University has never won 20 games. The last time the school won 19 was 25 years ago, in the only two years of Tommy Bowden. And with some good football fortune and minus a spate of injuries, there's a very good chance Tulane will win at least eight, a number that would get them to 20. If the season started today, Tulane would be favored in just about every game, but the Ole Miss game. So the chance for unprecedented football success is there. At Tulane, the mantra is 1-0, win the day. But it's the media's job to look ahead, and on the horizon, I see rainbows and sunshine. There are a whole lot of new faces on the staff at Tulane University two months after the Wave won the Cotton Bowl in dramatic fashion against USC. There's a new defensive coordinator, Sheil Wood, who came over from Troy, and a new left tackle, Cam Wire, transfer from LSU, who will play alongside four returning starters. He'll be coached by former Saints run game coordinator Dan Roshar, who is the club's new offensive line coach. And there's a coach who didn't get a lot of credit last season, but probably should have gotten more. Slade Nagel, the longest tenured offensive assistant, was promoted to offensive coordinator after the Cotton Bowl. Nagel did much of that work last season, a fact he acknowledged when asked how much of the play calling he actually did. <laughs> Quite a bit, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we, we had a unique situation on the offensive staff last year that we, uh, you know, it was, it was really good working relationships. And, and as we went through spring and, and into fall camp and really ironed things out, you know, the, the way things unfolded is, is I kind of was the main play caller uh, throughout the year. Tulane went from 74th in total offense to 31st. Running back Tajay Spears rushed for almost 1,600 yards, 585 of those in the final three games. I think late in the season, we came on really as a whole offense. Uh, you know, Tajay really didn't start the season great. And, and uh, you know, part of that was maybe my fault or, or our fault as a staff. And uh, we kind of, we started doing things that maybe he liked better or suited him better. And you kind of saw him take off and explode. Quarterback Michael Pratt averaged nearly nine yards of completion. That number stands out even more after Pratt said Tuesday he had played late in the season with a fractured heel. Nagel indicated that Pratt, who likes to run, would be given that chance again, and a lot, this season. 
He likes to run. He likes to, to play physical, and it's just kind of his natural ability. So, But hopefully we can keep him healthy throughout the year. With Nagel at the helm and a host of quality running backs and receivers returning, Tulane has a chance to be explosive on offense. That sounds good, but Nagel said one day at a time, one practice at a time. I think one of the things that really made us good as a football team last year is we really didn't look past the day. And the day has arrived where perhaps the Tulane offense can be regarded as dynamic. And it'll be here before you know it. Tulane opens the season at home against South Alabama and Ole Miss. So the Tulane win total in 2023. Let's bring in our esteemed panel, Aaron Lee and Richie Mills. Time for you gentlemen to opine. We start with Aaron Lee. Well, listen, I believe this team on paper could go 12-0. This Tulane team is finished the season last year better than Ole Miss did and could could be considered a favorite coming in. But I do believe games against Ole Miss and Southern Miss in September and a late game at East Carolina, Tulane finished the season 9-3. and three. I'm going I'm to say 9-3. and three. I think Southern Miss isn't too much of a bother this go-around, Aaron Esley. But I realistically think they'll be 3-1 and one heading into conference play, and I think they'll win six of their conference games. I think the continuity with their new offensive coordinator who's been on staff forever is going to pay off dividends for this offense, who really outside of Ty J Spears did not lose much. Defensively, you have a great defensive coordinator, and yes, you lose key pieces like Nick Anderson and Dorian Williams, but the secondary comes back, your defensive line comes back, and I truly believe that the schedule is set up there. Tulane, for what it is right now, they're a double-digit win program that has a chance to compete for their conference championship every year and potentially play in a bowl game. That's what Tulane football is right now, and I think that's what they'll be next year. Rich? That was stunningly good. I agree with all of that. <laughs> and I'm going to say at least nine, and I guarantee you they'll beat Southern Miss. Guest of the WGNO Sports Zone, eat at That Sabore's Pizzeria, West Metairie and Clearview, now open for lunch Tuesday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Seafood, salads, pasta, the best pizza in town. Try the deep dish Chicago style. That Sabore's Pizzeria, the food terrific. Customers truly are treated like family. Up next. That roar you hear is a group of ladies not to be denied. They're hungry. This is their revenge tour. And later, the gang rants on Pistol Pete's scoring record. Do you hope it stands, or are you okay if it falls in the WGNO Sports Zone? The New Orleans Pelicans desperately needed a win, and they got one at Portland. Trey Murphy III knocked down a triple, and the Pelicans start to pull away. Brandon Ingram would knock down a tough jumper in traffic. Ingram had 40 points with 20 in each half. The Pelicans beat Portland 121-110. to They halt a losing streak that was four games. Aaron Esley, I'll start with you. What are the New Orleans Pelicans team to you right now? Well, they're kind of middle of the road, just like most of the squads in the Western Conference at the moment. Listen, the conference is bloated right there, but the one thing about it is down the stretch, the Pelicans can control their own destiny with games against the T-Wolves, against the Thunder, against two against the Trailblazers, and of course, uh, a matchup with the Lakers. So they can help their own cause, but they need Zion back now. Yeah, I believe without Williamson, they are exactly where or they belong exactly where they are in the standings, which is the 10 to 12 range in that play in tournament conversation. It's not going to get any better until their health improves, sir. 
If Zion plays, they may skip the play-in and get into the playoffs. If he doesn't play, they're in the play-in, or worst-case scenario, they're out. They said he's going to be progressing in his rehab, so we'll find that out, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks. Well, in the world of college basketball, Southeastern head girls basketball coach Ayla Gazzardo was named Conference Coach of the Year after a 19-win season that saw a Southland Conference regular season title with a win at Houston Christian Wednesday night. Hours after winning their first regular season conference title in program history, the Southeastern women's basketball team was back on their home floor to cut down nets and celebrate the milestone with friends and family. A lot of them, when they first got here, they dreamed of this. They've believed in the vision, believed in changing the culture. And for them to be able to come back home and see the big crowd of people that we had outside the UC and have the police escort from probably close to 10 Hammond Police Department cops, it's it was a great feeling, you know, just to hear the crowd, let them cut down the nets, and they deserve it. In year six, as head basketball coach, Ayla Gazzardo has built the program into a championship contender, and she's done it with the resources surrounding areas provide. It was definitely a program that needed some love and attention to. Um, it needed just a really big facelift. Uh, when I got here, there wasn't a lot of local Louisiana talent, and that was probably my biggest thing, being from this area. I wanted to be able to win championships with Louisiana-based kids. Um, we have pretty much everybody from Louisiana except for two to three, um, and they act like Louisiana kids, so it's just it's all the same. Players that were in Lake Charles last year when Southeastern fell short in the Southland Conference Tournament Championship to Incarnate Word. So the next item on the Lady Lions bucket list is winning the postseason title. They're hungry. This is their revenge tour. You know, yes, we won the regular season championship. That's great. But where they got hurt last year was that conference championship. They hurt bad. And, and seeing their faces and seeing their reactions and watching them this past offseason and summer and preseason workouts, they want it bad. And that's what they want. So this is great. And this is preparing us for that. Um, it's put us in a great seating, you know, we're the, we're the top seed in the tournament. We got a good, you know, play out for it, but they want it bad and they're hungry. And that's one thing that, you know, we can't, we can't take away their, their want for this. And the Southland Conference Tournament begins on Sunday. The Lady Lions play Wednesday in the semifinals. Back with more after the break. Newman's girls won the State Division Three soccer, State Division Four, pardon me, soccer championship last week. Their coach Doug Freeze was in his first year at the school. Freeze's story is interesting. He was director of soccer at another New Orleans high school. When the chance to coach at Newman came up, he jumped at it. Freeze has another passion: putting criminals behind bars. The man who helped break up the Harvey Hustlers in Jefferson Parish is now an assistant district attorney on the North Shore. His job now is to help what he calls the great people of Bugalusa become a much safer city. We visited in the WGNO Sports Zone. Congratulations on the championship. Thank you. I saw one of the things you said in the post-game interview. First time you've trailed at half all year. 30 games, and it was uh, only in the 30th game that we trailed. Yeah, um, 
one of the signs of a team that performs consistently and can compete against anyone, regardless of division of play, is you know, do you play tight games against those teams? And uh, you know, 29 games in a row, we, sent, you know, we were able to send a message that we can play with anybody. The real test of character, though, isn't winning. It's coming from behind to win. And in the most important game of the year, uh, these girls demonstrated the character that I knew that they had, and they were able to show that resolve to anyone who was watching. So at halftime, did you remind them of that? At halftime, what we talked about yeah, uh, was the fact that after a very rough first 15 minutes or so, uh, Coach Bradley and her Episcopal girls were ready to play. They had a good game plan. They came out and they were better than us for the first 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, we got back into the game and really for the last 20 minutes of the half, um, you know, we were very much in control of play. Um, you know, we were you know, unlucky to only have got one goal back. You know, mm -hmm. felt like we should have gotten another. Mm -hmm. And we just said, as long as we play the way we play in the last 20 minutes, we're going to win this game. One of the things you said also in the interview was that, hey, we have good young players. We should do this for a while. I don't hear that often from coaches. That is what I would call blunt honesty. Yeah. True? Um, we have a tremendous amount of talent, and we are very fortunate this year because we had a great group of seniors, absolutely fantastic. All of them contributed on the field. They showed their younger peers how to be leaders. Yeah. Um, and you know, while playing with those girls and playing a 30-game schedule that resulted in a state championship, yeah, our younger players yeah, um, have developed yeah, the experience and self-belief necessary to keep going. And yeah, I certainly expect great things from them uh, the entire time this group is in high school. And I can tell you based on what I've seen of our middle school group, I think it can go on beyond that. You had a lot of success, of course, at Sacred Heart and of course in the club programs. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Mr. Summerhour at Newman. He says, we hope that Coach is with us a long time. That is quite a compliment. Uh, from Patrick, yes, that is. Yeah, um, yeah he, uh, he has high expectations for um, the coaches who work at Newman uh, because you know, that school provides us with tremendous resources. Yeah, I can tell you that as a coach of a high school soccer team in Louisiana, I think it's pretty much unprecedented that I have two assistant coaches and a goalkeeping coach, and we dedicate a portion of every single practice to position group training. Your other job, if you want to call it that, is, and it is a, it is a, a very uh, intense job, mm -hmm. is a prosecutor in St. Tammany. And one of, one of the things we've talked about is the, the situation in Bugalusa that has affected that community there. What mm -hmm. can you tell me about the ongoing efforts to make that community safer. I've been a prosecutor for many years. I actually, I, I primarily prosecute homicides. And yeah, I went over to St. Tammany Parish recently because my views are aligned with the leadership there. Yeah, Mr. Montgomery and his senior leadership team yeah, um, recognize the need to keep the entirety of that community safe and in order not to have a cancer and that is what serious crime is, is a cancer. To spread throughout you know, uh, St. Tammany and Washington parishes, you have to address it at its root, and its root seems to be in Bogalusa. That's where most of the, of, you know, the persistent violent crime is occurring. 
you have a community there. Every person I've met there is wonderful. They're great people. They deserve to be able to get out of you know, their cars at night, go inside, and not worry about whether or not they're going to get robbed on the way inside. They should be able to send their kids to school and not worry about whether or not their children are going to be shot and killed you know, um, as they're simply getting off a school bus you know, um, or even on school campus. You know, um, you know, those are things that they should not have to be afraid of. And yet, um, I've been given an opportunity to work in an environment where you know, uh, Mr. Montgomery's office, the U.S. Attorney's office, you know, um, and various state, state and local and federal, excuse me, law enforcement agencies mm -hmm. are all combining to make sure that we do something to help restore some order of that community so those good people can live you know, um, life as they should be allowed. And, and speaking to you about it, you are incredibly serious about getting this accomplished. This is something that is a huge priority for you, right? It is, and yeah, um, I can't think of anything, yeah, you know, more important to do, yeah, you know, professionally, than to participate in an organized effort from multiple agencies that actually has a meaningful improvement upon a specific community. Yeah, you know, um, it's an opportunity for those of us who work in this field. And you know, we don't, you can't always see the results long-term. This is an instance where if we do things the right way and we pursue the right people, you know, we are going to be able to help that community heal. You know, and we want this to be something that they talk about as the way it used to be, not as a problem that they have you know, as an ongoing issue. How do you find the hours in the day? Um, time management, yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've been married to yeah, an incredibly talented and patient person for many, many years. Um, yeah, uh, she yeah, does a lot to make sure I have the opportunities to do the things that I do. I've actually never had a paid job in coaching. Yeah, I coach because I enjoy it. Yeah, um, it is an outlet that you know, takes me away from some of the things that I have to see and deal with uh, professionally on mm -hmm. a day in day out basis. And there's, you know, it's very pure to be working with young people, you know, um, you know, see them develop you know, um, you know, into young adults and then into adults and see them you know, um, you know, have families. Yet uh, have careers, see them have a positive impact on other people. Yeah, um, yet uh, there's there's a lot of value that I can take from that, and I do. Doug Freeze, Isidore Newman School State Champion, quite a man. Back with more after this. Welcome back, Antoine Davis, Detroit Mercy, within a couple of points of defeating are going past Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. Of course, he'd have to be in a postseason tournament to do that, which is, at this point, very questionable. So we'll see if they get in the CBI. Are you in favor of Pete Maravich's scoring record being broken by the young man from Detroit Mercy? Aaron Lee. Uh, absolutely not. And for the simple reasons, listen, he played in 61 more games. He's a fifth year senior, fifth-year star, and of course, he did it with the convenience of the three-point shot and uh, things that Pistol Pete did not have at his disposal. Also, listen, 
you talk about if his season is truly over, then it all is well and good. But the Continental Basketball Invitational, the CBI, it behooves them for publicity reasons to invite Detroit Mercy. So I can see this going on. If he breaks the record, there should be an asterisk. And uh, the only solace I will take is that Pistol Pete's son Jason did tell ESPN that he believed his father would be cheering the kid on. A 10-second answer. Rich, what do you think? Uh, Pete Maravich's record is impressive because the circumstances you just mentioned, no three-point line, but all records are going to be broken at some point. There's always going to be that asterisk next to it, so it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You're right. Maravich in 83 games is doing what this guy did in 144. But I'm with you, Rich. I think records are made to be broken. And if it is, so be it. See you next week right here in the WGNO Sports Zone.